0: I'm so glad that you're here. Man, did you guys enjoy worship today? Jeez, so good. So good. Hey, thanks for joining us, and I hope you guys uh, celebrated the 4th of July well. You still have all your fingers and your toes uh, that you did that in social distancing. Uh, But man, I just want to say how much uh, that we love Doug and Judy, who are staff uh, chaplains, man they are, been they have been so faithful to us and the way that they have served our country but then just the way that they've served our staff as well. Um, can we give a hand for uh, Doug and Judy as well? I'm during uh, corona to, to be able to just even as a staff uh, just to go through the things that we're going through just every day and for to have people like that man has just been amazing. Uh, so Uh, Just to give you just kind of a quick uh, little update. I I did not, since the last time I preached, I have not fallen through any ceilings. So you don't have to worry about being shocked by any of those stories. I'm still here and I'm alive. Uh, But I did make my first college payment for my son, so that was pretty shocking. Um, And uh, and actually, that's kind of what we're talking about today. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So if you want to turn there. Um, all of you guys who are online, man, thanks for joining us today. Um, and I know as you're turning to the, uh, your Bible, to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we are in a series called Under the Sun, where we're looking at what Solomon has to say uh, to us and giving us wisdom. And, and so uh, as you guys are turning there, uh, I want to give you a quick little story about uh, my family. We like to go to the beach. About a month ago, we went to the beach. And... Um, and I overheard, I, had a ne- I have a nephew who just came for the first time, and I heard my nephew and another nephew, uh, and they were talking, and he goes, man, I don't, I don't need sunscreen. I just want to go out to the beach. And the other nephew's like, you need sunscreen. And then I heard mom going like, I need you to get your sunscreen. Where are you at? And he's like, I don't get burnt. I'm not, not going to do it. Like, I'm not, it's not going to hurt me. He's like, I just want to go out there. And the other one's like, you should probably put your sunscreen on. So sure enough, mom wrangled him and put sunscreen on him. Thank goodness, right? He gets out to the beach. He's playing in the beach. And we come back in for lunch. And usually we put it back on, like, again so we can go back out again. And, and uh, this time I'm pretty sure that he didn't because whenever he came back in at the end of the day, I was, I was one of the last ones in bringing chairs in. And, uh, and I saw him. He had his T-shirt on. I go, hey, man. And I put my hand on his shoulder. He goes, stop. I, I was like, what's wrong? He's like, I got some work. And I was like, what do you mean Like, somebody What happened? He's like, look, it's pink. He's like, I didn't know my shoulder could turn pink. And I was like, yeah, I thought you said you couldn't get a sunburn. He's like, but I did. And I'm like, yeah, well, man, you need to put sunscreen on, just like your mom said. And so poor guy just got burnt, I mean, to a crisp. The next morning he gets up and everybody else is going outside, like they're about to get ready to go outside. And he's sitting on the couch like... I am not going back out there. Why would I want to endure that again, you know? Eventually, he got back out there, right? I mean, it, was, it wasn't that he didn't uh, go back out there, but, man, he got burnt. And as I was thinking about, and I was reading through the passage of what we're talking about today, I couldn't help but think about that story because actually what we are talking about, the subject is, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag, is money, all right? We're talking about money. And, and honestly, we can't, um, we can't deny that the Bible talks a lot about money. In fact, that's the number one topic out of God, like outside of just talking about God in the Bible that it's, it, it, it talks about, is money. I mean, uh, Jesus talked about money a lot. Uh, all of his parables, I think it says like uh, almost, uh, I think it was 13 out of like the 38 parables talked about money or possessions or stuff we we can't really uh we can't escape being able to talk about money uh but i will tell you this normally i'm known for being an optimist all right uh i can paint some dirt gold and i can you know i can i can make the best out of it but today i'm looking at the passage and i'm like it really doesn't like it doesn't lend itself to being super positive um it's it's just that's just the way that it is. I mean, money is one of those things that can uh, it, it it can help solve the world's problems or it can help create the world's problems. Right? Um, it's one of those things that we just we can't deny. And so the big idea today is that money will burn you. Money will burn you. And it's not really worth it. So if you're young here today and you're looking at it, you're like, what do you mean? I want to have a lot of money. I think this is a really good passage for us to look at today and say, hey, what does Solomon have to say about this? What does the teacher have to say about money? So we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If you want to turn there. uh, And we're going to start in verse 10. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse 10. It says, The one who loves silver... Is never satisfied with silver and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income this too is futile that word futile is hevel uh, that Pastor Craig talked about uh, just means meaningless verse 11 it says when good things increase the one who consumes them multiply what then is the profit to the owner except to gaze at them with his eyes The sleep of the worker is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich permits him no sleep. All right, so we see Solomon here, and he gives us right off the bat, he kind of surfaces like these dangers uh, that what the love of money can do to us, all right? So there's three dangers here. The first one in uh, verse 10, he says, the one who loves silver is never satisfied. Loving money... It's, it creates this irresistible uh, thirst that it's just, it, it just, it, you can't quench it. It's like drinking uh, Capri Sun. Like, I need, I, I'm thirsty after I drink one, I need 12 of them, right? I mean, it's like, it's irresistible uh, thirst that we have. Like, my, my kids would be like, no, dad, you need to drink water. I'm like, that's a good idea. You know, uh, but it's one of those things that there's a desire that's there that is so much. uh, And it just keeps, it keeps coming the more that you love it. Uh, John D. Rockefeller was one of the richest men in the world. He was at the time when he had this interview and they said, hey, how much money, uh, more money do you need? And he said, just a little bit more. It's because we just that's just kind of the way that it is. You never have enough money, it seems like. Um, But at the same time, if you look on uh, into verse 10, he says, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Um, It's not just about somebody who's rich and is never satisfied. It, It really doesn't matter. Whatever income that you have, it's not really the money itself, it's the love and the desire for money that is what is luring us and is really irresistible for us. And what he's saying here, the first danger that I see is, is that really the love of money will never fully satisfy you. It just as much as you want it to satisfy you, it just won't. Um, then you look on to verse 11 and he says, When good things increase, the one who consumes them Multiply. So when we get more, there's more to consume. There's more people to consume. There's more things to consume. I'm thinking that Solomon, who was the richest king, I mean, he was like a builder. I mean, he was building and building and building. He had a ton of people around him. I mean, and you think about, he's probably thinking you know, they, there's these leeches, these, these, these guys who are mooching off of them and there's these parties and, there's, and they're always wanting something else and there's always something to, somebody to talk to and somebody to give money to and it's just, it's like kind of coming in and then the money's going out, right? I mean, he had so many mouths to feed, keeping everybody happy to keep building the empire that he was trying to build and so he was probably thinking that in some way. I heard somebody this week say, uh, you know, I heard that money talks but mine just waves goodbye, and I, I think that that's very similar to what he's saying here. Is It just, it just keeps coming, it coming, but then it keeps going. And so not only does it not satisfy, but uh, very similar to what the, the famous philosopher, theologian, Notorious B.I.G. said, uh, more money, more problems, right? That's what happened is just it just... As the more money that he got, the more wealth, the more stuff that he had, it just mul- it just began to multiply. It wasn't just like oh, there was more problems; those problems multiplied. Very similar to when you have bills and you have things that you're, uh, that you're trying to pay and you want to raise and you, you finally get that raise. But as soon as you get that raise, you pretty much already spin it, right? There's a trip that you need to take or you want to take or there's braces or there's doctor bills or there's... It just seems like the more money that you have, the more problems that multiply in your life. And so the more money, the more problems that you have. Number three, in uh, in verse uh, twelve, we see the third danger. He says, "The sleep of the worker is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich permits him no sleep." So, the sleep of the worker is sweet. That's good. But what happens with when you get much and you have more, um, you you pretty much it leads to insomnia. There's this anxiety that happens in your life that you uh, it's hard for you to, uh, can, to even rest well and to have peace in your life, um, and you, you can't sleep. It's hard. I mean, they say that uh, sleep.org says that uh, there's 70 million people who have a sleeping disorder in the USA, 70 million people. It also said that 38% of those people fall asleep in work unintentionally in the last 30 days. I'm like, that's not even counting the people who intentionally fall asleep during work in the last 30 days. I mean, you, people in America are tired. Why is that? Why, why do we have sleep disorders? Why do we have sleep apnea? Why, why are we always struggling with anxiety and depression and all of those things? I think it's because we have abundance. I think he's warning us here the dangers of the, lun- the, the pursuit and the love of money. What I'm learning from this, and what as, as we're hearing this and we're listening to Solomon, uh, the, the thing that I'm taking away so far is uh, it's just not worth falling in love with money. Don't fall in love with money. I mean, there's a ton of ways for us to be able to spend our money these days, right? I mean, it's, you, you, you get on social media and they know what you want before you even buy it. It's like you're scrolling through it and there's these ads that come up and you, I mean, you, you're just like, wow, I need that. And you're like, how did that happen? How did they know what I needed? Did they hear our conversation? Well, yes, probably. All right. But I've seen during this whole COVID, corona period, I've seen more used cars or new cars or puppies being bought. I've, there's a ton. I, w- I actually was one of them. All right. I, I didn't buy the puppy, uh, thank goodness, but I bought, I bought a used car. All right. And I went to the dealership and I, I have more time on my hands. I mean, it wasn't because I wasn't doing anything, but it was like I had more time. So I was researching stuff, and I was like trying to figure it out. And, right I could get the best deal, and I could figure out what my finances, and I could sell stuff. And, you know, I could sell my son's kidney. It was like there was all these different things I could do to be able to, like, to get the car that I wanted. And I got so infatuated with this car. And I went to the dealership, and I talked to him, and then I waited. And it was just all of it. And it just, like, starts to consume you as you're trying to get the perfect deal, And some of the things that happen is like some of the conversations with my family or other people, they either lead back to like me, you know, a car that I was wanting, or I was short with certain people because there was something that I was like really lured into, right? I go to the dealership and I'm sitting there talking with the guy and we make a deal finally at some point. And I'm sitting at the finance place and I'm talking to the guy at the finance place. And this dude starts to tell me his story about how Jesus came and saved his life. And how he was so far from God. And I was just sitting there and I was, I was almost feeling guilty because I was, I was buying this car in the middle of a crisis, right? But I was sitting there and he goes, dude, I've had, this is the best month, two months that I've had in the two years that I've been at this company. He said, I don't know why, but people are buying cars. I don't know if it was stimulus checks. I don't know if it's just because it made us, we medicate ourselves the way that we spend money. But at the end of the day, more people were buying more cars and puppies. <laughs> but I think it's because we fall in love with it. Like we can't help it. There's this desire that's irresistible that's in our life. You know, when I met Melissa, my wife, and we were dating, she had this nose ring and she loved Jesus. And about the second date, she was really annoyed with me. So I knew she was the one. And I had to pursue her at that point. And we dated and we loved each other and we were like getting to know each other and and we had kids and we were growing up in our family. And the whole time, like I have this struggle with going like, I need to provide, I need to give more to my family, my wife. I I want, if I love, if I love her, I need to give her more stuff. And that's what's going to help me be more satisfied. That's going to help me love her more and, and, and her be more satisfied and our family be more satisfied. And that really can't be any more farther from the truth. And I think that Solomon in verse 13, he kind of shares us why that is. So if you'll go to verse 13, this is what he says. He says, this is a sickening tragedy I have seen under the sun wealth kept by its owner to his harm. The wealth was lost in a bad venture, so when he fathered a son, he was empty-handed. And he came from his mother's womb, so he will go again. Naked as he came, he will take nothing for his efforts that he can carry in his hands. This too is a sickening tragedy. Exactly as he comes, so he will go. What does the one gain who struggles for the win, and what is more, he eats in darkness all his days with much, much frustration, sickness, and anger." That owner took his money and he kept it and then he bet the farm with it and he lost it. Then the story gets worse in that he can't even pass it down to his kids. And then he lives his days in darkness and in frustration. I want you to circle or underline or highlight the word kept. I'm in the CSB translation. Some translations say he guarded or that he hoarded his wealth. And I really think that that's what preceded and started this whole tragedy is that he, he, he held on to, and he schemed, and he gripped tightly, and he treasured his wealth and what he had. And he was trying to, to make everything right and better. But at the end of the day, he lost everything and was frustrated. And he, he was tired, and he was angry. the difference in the kingdom of God and what this man was doing was simply, he wasn't being generous. He wasn't being content. At at the end of the day, what we find out is we we don't need to love and fall in love with money because money doesn't love us. Money doesn't care about whether we have it or don't have it. Money is strictly utilitarian. It's what we need. Yes, I get it. Hugs don't pay the bills. like, And just being nice and sweet and bis- it doesn't pay the bills. So yeah, God doesn't want us to, to not be provided for. And honestly, I don't think that God um, it wants us to be poor or he wants us just to not have anything. I think he wants to have an abundance. And I really think I can share with you in a second about what that is. But at the end of the day, what people do who love money is they end up using people. You can't love money and love people well. It just doesn't happen. You end up um, hurting people to be able to gather, to be able to keep, because it's such an allurement that's in your life. But whenever we understand that everything that we have is a gift from God everything that we own, everything that's out there that, be able to, that we, can, we can consume and that we can enjoy, um, it's a gift, then we, we understand that we can actually love money and use people. I mean, sorry, opposite. You can love people and use money. <laughs> Thank you. I was just trying to keep see if you are awake. Um, uh, but you can love people and use money. Like I said, that God doesn't, he, he's not against, in fact, if you try to use uh, Jesus as like kind of uh, warfare in, in like class um, and the rich and the poor and it, being for it or against it, he, Jesus was for the poor, he was for the rich. It just doesn't work well. Because if you look at Jesus, um, he hung out with the poor a lot, but he also hung out with the rich. And he was, he was there was many times when he was about abundance where you could almost say, well, you kind of spoiled that. I mean, his first miracle was uh, turning water into wine at a wedding, and it said they had more than enough that they could enjoy the night. Um, he fed the five thousand. There was uh, what was it, five loaves and two fishes, and, and they had all these people. Said five thousand, it didn't really didn't count the women and the children. I mean, I mean, there's I don't know telling how many that were there, and it says it. After it was all said and done, there was baskets and baskets that were left over. He fed the 5,000. He did the same thing when he fed the 4,000. He did the same thing with a fish. He uh, told Peter to go pay the tax, and, he just, and the next thing, there's two shekels in this fish's mouth. Like, where did that come from? How did he do that? And it just, he, he wasn't one of those, it, it wasn't one of those things where it's like everything it was always so buttoned up and unexplainable. One of the most, uh, the craziest things was whenever Jesus was with Lazarus and Mary and Martha and he was going to their house in Bethany, which honestly it was a house, that was an estate that had about, said it could uh, house 13 men. So, I mean, it was a nice estate and that's who Jesus hung out with and Jesus loved. And he's there and it's right before the Passover and Mary brings out this jar of perfume. They said the jar of perfume was about 300 denarii. Which 300 denarii is probably conservatively uh, about 20 to 25 thousand dollars is what that's worth today. And he takes this jar of perfume and he begins to pour it on. Je- she be- pours it on Jesus's feet. And and Judas and the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you doing? Why, that's why, that's expensive. The, the, what about the poor people? And Jesus says. The poor will always be with us, but I will not be. It's dangerous. It's abundant. Jesus came to give us abundant life. I think the true question is this. Do we believe it when Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added to you. The thing that we miss is the seeking first the kingdom of God. Why? Because Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other, or vice versa. We must put God first. We must believe that it is everything is a gift from God. God's not trying to make us poor. God wants to give us a life that brings about satisfaction fully. He wants to bring about a life that we we have peace, that we, we can sleep at night. A life that brings about a change and a a purpose that we never, ever could imagine or understand outside of him. The question is, where does our affection lie? So I was uh, talking to a businessman this week. And uh, he has been traveling for, uh, he works for IT for a, a corporate bank, and he f- travels all over the place and in the middle of, you know, putting masks on at the airport and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, whenever I arrive at the city that I'm supposed to be at, he's like, usually before I go to the hotel, I go to Walmart or something or a local grocery store or a CVS or Walgreens or whatever, and I get, you know, a bottle of water and some snacks because I don't want to pay $10 for a bottle of water at the hotel. And so I go there, and I was standing in line this past, uh, Sunday, uh, this past week, and um, I had, uh, you know, he's talking about, he was giving me kind of how he has been really trying to listen to God, and how he's really trying to grow in his faith, and being discipled, and, and he was standing behind this couple, had a basket full of stuff, and he goes, I just heard God say to me, like, I want you to pay for their, their groceries. And he was like, I didn't hear that. Like, I didn't really, like, that's weird. Like, I don't, I'm not going to really pay for their grocery. I mean, I didn't really hear God. Like, is that me or that just, like, why did I want to do that? And he's like, so he just kind of dismissed it a little bit. You know, sometimes in a line, it just takes forever, right? It's a self-checkout or whatever. It just takes a long time. He just, like, sat there and waited and waited. And finally, he, he heard it again. He was like, I, you need to pay for the groceries, and he's been spending time with the Lord. He'd been like journaling. He'd been uh, building a relationship with God. And he's like, at this point, I, he's like, I couldn't deny it. Like, I just needed to at least give it a shot. And, um, and so they got to the very end of it. And he goes, uh, he's like, oh, excuse me, ma'am. He's like, I, I, I'd like to be able to pay for your groceries. And she goes, what? And he goes, I, I just, can I pay for your groceries? And she's like, why? And he's like, I just said it. He's like, uh, I just think God told me to. And she started crying. And she said, "Well, my husband is here with me, and he never comes grocery shopping with me. And we actually had some um, some visitors at our house that are having to stay." Uh, and we didn't know how we were actually going to feed everybody, and we were going to have to house them because they were going through some crisis. And so he was like, I'm coming with you to the grocery store. And we were praying on the way here, like, how are we going to do this? Because we're having struggles ourselves during this time. And he was just like, and then the guy looked at him, he's like, no, thank you. You don't really know what this means to me. And he had a tear that came down his eye. And at that time, the, the grocery clerk, that she started crying as well. And he said they were just all kind of crying there uh, on the spot. And, um, and then they left. And He got to talk with the the grocery clerk, and she wasn't a believer, and she didn't go to church, and she really didn't even, you know, talk about God, and he began to share the gospel with her, and he walked away, and he was like, he just sat in his car, and he just cried, and he was like, does this really happen? And I think what we'd end up doing sometimes is we just grip so tightly to what we have and the plan that we have that we don't really get a chance to, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And I'm not saying it's always just some hooky, spooky, like God told me to do this and I'm gonna give that, but at the same time, can we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit enough when we listen to him and to, when we spend time with him where we just kind of have the essence of going? I would rather be more generous than actually holding on to it so tightly of something that really in the end of it I really can't control. Or are we gonna be mastered by our money? I guess my question is to you today is, is not like, like do you feel guilty for, uh, for the way that you spend your money? Because I think it's too, it hits too close to home to us. It's too easy of a target for the enemy. He grips us every day with trying to control our own lives with the things that we can purchase to bring our own happiness and the possessions that we have and my question is is not do you have the guilt because i think a lot of times i i mean i've counseled quite a few people doing 19 years of ministry nobody's come up to me and confessed that they're greedy because I think at the end of the day there's this desire that I kind of makes us feel weird about it because we almost feel bad because we get in this trance of looking at it and thinking that's going to fulfill us and the enemy is like no worship all these things that are created you can do this but ultimately really what we need to be finding worship what we need to find the worth in and what we need to be worshipping is the creator who gave us all and this is all a gift from him and I think that's exactly what, what Solomon is saying at the end of this verse and the last two things that I want us to be able to get. Like, what do we do with this? Now that we know this, what do we do with it? And it's in verse 18 through 20. He says, here is what I've seen to be good. It is appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of his life God has given him because that is his reward. Furthermore, everyone to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has allowed him to enjoy them, take his reward, and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God, for he does not often consider the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. In this part this is the first time that he actually brings God back into the equation. Like in three, uh, chapter 3, about halfway through that, and 4, he didn't even say anything about God, and then 5, he brings God back in it. And ultimately, what he says is, is like, hey, here's, the, here's what you do. Enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy what you do have. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but treasure uh, store up treasures in heaven there's something that's way greater than just the things that we have that in the end are what's going to be important so for today, enjoy what you have the enemy wants you to focus on what you don't have so that you're not grateful for what you do have, so that you won't use that against him Well, why is that? Because the last part, it says this. This is a gift of God, for he does not often consider the days of his life. My question to you today is like, do you take time to just stop and to empty yourself of all the things that you have and say, if I lost everything, what do I have? And the Bible says that you have everything. You have everything that you need. That's what's really important. Young people, listen, I know you're thinking, well, at least give me the opportunity to have it so that I can at least try to give it because I'm going to be able to like, I'm going to be able to do something with it that my parents couldn't do. All right? So why didn't he just give it to me and then test me on that? And I think sometimes the most loving thing that we can do is to not give something to someone. Because if we really love people, then we'll understand the value of what money is. And so my question is, do you consider the days? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me as we close And it's not easy to be content. I've traveled across the world, a few countries, and I've seen a lot of poor people. In America, if you have $25,000 a year that you make, you're in the top 10% of the richest people in the world. And there's a lot of happy people that are out there that, are, that have nothing. And I know you've probably heard that before, but it's just True. And I feel like if we can start emptying some of the things that we do have and we can start filling ourselves with the things of the Spirit, then I think that, honestly, our families can turn around, our, our country can turn around. Our lives can change from being old ways into the new ways of the kingdom. And these things, they uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. God 100% will provide for you ab- abundantly more when you trust him with the things that you have. But you can't serve two masters. And I'm telling you, I'm guilty. I'm not trying to heap guilt. I just listen to the truth of God's word. And this is true. You want to be satisfied? Do you wanna bring purpose to the problems of the world? Do you wanna have peace in your life? You wanna be able to sleep better? Then submit your life to God. Like open your hands up. That's why when we worship, we are giving worth to God, saying, God, listen, all I have is yours. All my problems, all the world's problems, I can't do anything without you as opposed to gripping it tightly and trying to control everything. That's gonna end up in darkness, anger, and frustration. So have you considered the days and what's really important. God, I pray today, if someone here doesn't know you and they haven't submitted their life to you, if they've never... Um, surrendered their life to Jesus. God, I, t- I pray today is that day. It says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and give it to you the fullest. And, uh, and, and Jesus said, I will give you eternal life and you shall never perish. And no one can snatch you out of my hand. If you are here today and you need Jesus and you've never received Jesus, all you have to do is say, God, please forgive me of my sin. Please come take control of my life. Show me what you want me to be. Thank you, God, for saving me from my own self and my own desires and my own wants. I wanna be more like you. I wanna have more satisfaction in my life. So God, I give my life to you today. Jesus, I give my life to you today. And today I pray that you can pray that prayer. And if, we, if you do today, genuinely, we wanna help you. We wanna be a part of that, that relationship and that decision and we wanna help you with your next step and where that goes to life of fulfillment. And I want to pray for you today in that. God, I pray, Lord, that you um, today seal in their hearts today, God, that you are their sole provider. And that, God, you are the ultimate source of love and satisfaction. And I pray, God, that anyone here, God, who's, who does know you, who just needs a wake-up call, God, we all need wake-up calls when it comes to our sin and to the things in our life that entrap us and ensnare us. And I pray, God, today that, God, that, that we would repent. God, if you've convicted someone today and God, they feel that conviction today, God, that there is freedom in Christ. There's freedom today from that. They, just, they, can, they can throw the old way off and they can put on the new way of God being generous, being loving, not holding so tightly and trying to control, but trusting you and knowing that you're good. So God, I thank you for this opportunity that we get to go through your word and we get to experience it with other people, other believers who are trying to bring about light and hope in a world that sometimes seems so desperate. But God, our hope is anchored in you today. So we love you and we trust you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.